Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining in for another episode of Natural MD Radio. Today's guest is an extra special treat. I have with me today Layla Ali, who is a world-class athlete, fitness, and wellness expert, TV host, cooking enthusiast, founder of the Layla Ali lifestyle brand, and mother of two. The daughter of the late beloved global icon and humanitarian Muhammad Ali, she is a four-time undefeated boxing world champion. I'm here like going woo woo in my head while I'm reading all this to you guys. Her stellar record includes 24 wins, 21 of which were knockouts, and zero losses. Layla is heralded as the most successful female athlete in the history of women's boxing. Layla is also a regular panelist and contributor for the CBS News Sports Network, an all female sports commentary program, which is totally historical in sports broadcasting. It's called We Need to Talk. She's a cooking enthusiast and previously appeared twice on Food Network's celebrity edition of Chopped and emerged victorious as the champion. Continuing her passion in the cooking space, Layla was the host of Late Night Chef Fight, which is specifically a food truck cooking competition, and I love food trucks. She has also appeared in various cooking segments on Rachel Ray and The Chew, along with having cooked her famous oven-baked fried chicken on Steve Harvey's hit daytime talk show. For multiple seasons, Layla hosted Everyday Health, airing in national syndication on ABC, in addition to being the previous co-host of American Gladiators and former host of All In with Layla Ali, which aired in week, weekend syndication on CBS. In 2012, when women's boxing was included in the Olympics for the first time in history, Layla was the first woman in history to provide expert commentary for NBC Sports. For two consecutive years since its inception in 2015, she was selected as the host of the first ever television ESPN Sports Humanitarian Awards. Layla is the past president of the Women's Sports Foundation, a nonprofit organization that's supported by some of the biggest athletes in the world. And through WST, she pushes programs that encourage young women to be confident, healthy, and strong through sports. To share all of her incredible work and inspiration and knowledge with her own followers, she started her own lifestyle blog, Layla Ali Lifestyle, which she regularly posts tips for workouts, recipes, DIY ideas, marriage and family tips, and much more. Layla is also a comedian and actress. She's tickled America's funny bone with multiple hilarious roles as Kevin Hart's boxing nemesis on the hit comedic series Real Husbands of Hollywood. And in 2014, she made her feature film acting debut as the co-star of the action movie Falcon rising. Never one to turn down a good challenge, she captured the hearts of millions and made it to the final round of the fourth season of ABC's Dancing with the Stars in 2017. She's a sought-after inspirational speaker and author of her life's story in a dynamic book for young women entitled Reach. Layla studied business management at Santa Monica College, and she lives with her husband, former NFL star Curtis Conway, in LA, and... 
as if that's not all enough. And I've really just told you the half of what's on her bio. This incredible entrepreneur, brand ambassador, is also a mama of two children, her son, Curtis Jr., and her daughter, Sydney. Layla, I'm going to tell you something embarrassing, too. I have one photograph of one celebrity in my home. And it is a signed photograph of your dad, actually. It's got his um, signature on it, his uh, John Hancock, his Muhammad Ali. He is a huge inspiration. And while we're here to talk about you, I just want to do homage to your dad and for all he's brought to us. And you are just a testament to his legacy and an incredible woman. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. And um, I thank you for giving the love to my father. And he's he's I mean, I don't even see him as a celebrity. He's just so above everybody else as far as I'm concerned. I know I'm biased because that's my dad. So that's a good one to have. <laughs> oh, man. I just watched an autobiography, um, a, a movie biography of him recently. And my husband and I were just in tears. My kids grew up just loving him. And someone actually um, a distant relative had a signed photograph of your dad and gave it to one of my daughters. So, oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I know this happens when people read my bio. They're like, "Oh my goodness, like how is that one human being doing that? And how is she actually not exhausted all the time?" And I have to say, when I read your bio, I was like, "Oh my god, this bio puts my bio to shame." How is this woman doing it all the time? So. Let's let's dive in there. And I know you and I have had private conversations about how like we're not actually doing it all the time. And right. <laughs> we've had to hit pause to keep it in balance. But tell us a bit about how you are keeping all these balls in the air and, and staying that, he- healthy. That is such a relevant topic in my life right now uh, today. But, you know. I got tired listening to my bio, to be honest with you, because I'm like, golly, like I need to shorten that bio. But, you know, uh, the thing is, is people know me from so many different things, right? I started as a professional athlete um, when I was so young. You know, I started training to box when I was 18, 19 years old and then had my career. And then from there went and did Dancing with Stars. And that was my platform to go into you know, television hosting. And then during that process, really as an, you know, athletes go through a stage of kind of depression and just trying to figure things out, uncertainty, because we did what we loved, right? You spend your whole life at this career. Like most people go to college, like you did to go become a doctor, right? And then if one day you just have to stop, you know, you're like, wow, what am I going to do now? So we go through that. So I was fortunate because I did have some other talents and things that I want to do in the television hosting, but it wasn't what really made me happy. It wasn't my passion. So I had to figure out what's that going to be. And it took me about five years once I retired in 2007 to, to really figure out what is going to, what am I, what would I do for free? You know, if I, if I could, and it was health and wellness because I was always, you know, writing people meal plans and giving them, you know, information to help, you know, because I had to learn as a, as a athlete, you know, that's how I learned from trial and error. So I always wanted to help others. So that's the direction that I decided to go and why I started the Leilali lifestyle brand and my blog and my podcast and, you know, but everything has always been in that space. And then of course I have a a love and a passion for healthy cooking because I understand the importance of you know, how we're affected by the food that we eat and by the products that we put on our skin and, you know, the air that we breathe and all of these things. So that's my passion. Um, but I have to tell you, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy doing all those things, you know, um, doing what you're passionate about, doing what you love, also thinking about making ends meet, thinking about your family, being a mom, you know, that is one of the hardest, but most rewarding jobs in the world, being a mom, that in itself, you know, is a lot. So you imagine everything on top of it. And then, you know, of course, being a partner to your husband and trying to keep that alive. It, that's where I'm at right now. 
Um, and as you know, I've been recently having some issues with hormonal imbalance due to um, Hashimoto's because I had thyroid disease at 15. You know, I got Graves disease and I, my mom made the choice for me to have radiation therapy. And, it, you know, I've been taking a pill all of my life up until now. I started having some issues where I just really felt fatigued and having foggy brain. And then I always thought that was just like, OK, I work I work really hard. I'm not getting enough sleep. So, of course, I'm going to have those things. And then I started thinking, well, was it from boxing? I went to the point where I went and got my MRI on my brain and all these, you know, neurological tests done. Then I started having gut issues and stomach issues, recently gained like 15 pounds over the last maybe couple years, year and a half, where it crept up to about 15 over, and, and then it was hard to get off. And I'm like, okay, something's going on here. And that's when I started getting some tests done, some food allergy tests, blood work done, and then I was told I had the Hashi, Hashimoto's, which, you know, of course, I started doing some research. That's how I found you. And, um, you know, it's just been a journey. So, yes, it's, it's really hard to find the balance and, and the hardest thing, you know, because when your adrenals are fatigued, as you know, and, you know, I'm burnt out, basically, you, you say you have to get rest, right? And I'm like, oh, God, that's going to be the toughest, not not just changing my diet, because I recently became paleo and not just taking different, you know, medication. I went to natural thyroid, to the nature thyroid, opposed to the synthroid and all these different things. Those are easy for me, right? Because I've been doing it all my life, adjusting my diet. But like you tell me to get some rest and, and reduce stress, that's the hardest thing. So I, I had to start making a list of things that I had to let go. And so it's tough. It's not easy. <laughs> it is tough. Now, you know, I, my, I take it just from our conversations and from reading your bio and following you and knowing what you do, you're a bit like me in that you are very committed to social change, to being the best you can be, to really living to your full potential. And but for women who are who are living that way, it can also be like um, something is driving us. Do you ever feel like there's something driving you that you feel internal pressure to do more? Or do you feel like it more comes from this solely this sort of personal spiritual quest to, to be your best? Well, there is something driving me. Um, and because I, I've, I've been that way ever since I was a, a kid. And for me, me it's like this. It's just like I mean, when I was when I was young. Obviously, I didn't have the responsibilities that I have now. I didn't have children, so I could get away with it more. But I remember being 15 and telling my mom, you know, I want to be emancipated. I want to move out the house. I want to be independent, you know, and all that. And I was like, I'm moving out this house when I'm 18. So I remember going through the phone book trying to figure out, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to beauty school. I'm going to go, but I'm going to go to learn how to do nails because there's already a lot of hairstylists and I want to, you know, really specialize in something. So I literally, after school started to, and I already wasn't doing too great in school because I just was too busy trying to do all too much. So I'm going to beauty school after school, taking the bus way across town when I should have been home doing my homework, right? Spreading myself thin even then, got my manicuring license, had a business, had Layla's Nail Studio by the time I was 18. And it wasn't because my dad gave me money. I, I worked for other people, you know, when I was 16, built up some some clientele, subleased from a salon, made it happen for myself, but I had a real business. So here I am, 18, going to college, go, going to work, living on my own, you know, taking care of bills, scheduling clients, buying product, you know, that's not what you're normally doing, having that amount of responsibility at that age. And around that time is when I saw women's boxing for the first time and decided to go in a different direction. So that's been my pattern of always doing more to where it's hard for me to sit down and relax and do nothing because I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something. Not that I say that's not good, but I think that a lot of people who are just driven and very ambitious feel that way. You know, my husband's always telling me, babe, 
you can't do it all. There's always something to do. Sometimes you just have to stop. And that seems like the toughest thing for me to do is just relax. And you and I were talking about, um, before we hopped on to record, even how when you do look at your life, and I know this, I, you know, I didn't know that about you uh, wanting to leave home at 15 and be emancipated, but I, I actually did the same thing. I was in college at 15. <laughs> I left home at 15 because I was wanting to be a doctor and do more and be more. And wow. so I totally get it. I didn't realize we had that in common. But we were talking about how even when we take stock of our lives and even for ourselves kind of realize, all right, too many balls in the air, things are getting imbalanced, we can feel almost a little bit guilty or like we're quitting if we actually say, okay, that's got to come off the burner because there's just too many pots on the burner. Like, how do you process that? I definitely feel that way um, because, for example, I have my podcast, Layla Ali Lifestyle, which I started because I was like, I want to have a platform to talk about what I want to talk about because I go on shows and I do interviews and you have to do sound bites. You only have so much time. And I want to be able to, you know, like I said, share information that I want to share on my own terms. So I had this plan and made sense and I've been doing it for a year. And it wasn't easy because I have all these other professional obligations and I'm on a network where you you have to put one out every week. And it got to be where I was like really becoming stressed about making sure that I had this podcast done and not really able to put the time and energy that I want to put in it to make it, make it successful. Because I never want to do something just to be doing it. I want it to be successful. I want to see growth. And I recently had like literally a couple of days ago decided I'm not going to do the podcast anymore. And it's something I had been thinking about, but I was like, man, I'll be quitting. Like I have listeners and followers and, you know, that are, but not even just that. It's just like, you know, I start, I set out to do this and I want to see it through, but it was a, it was a, you know, it started just, it's affecting my, my personal life as well because I just don't have any downtime. So it's like, even when I'm not working or hosting a show or traveling, speaking or doing any of that, then I'm like in my closet at night recording podcasts. And my husband's like, what are you doing at 12 o'clock at night? I was like, I got to get this done. I, I you know, I got to do this <laughs> recording for tomorrow, you know? And it's just, it's like, so I was like, okay, this is out of control. So yeah, that, that's the thing. You do feel like you're quitting, but then, then you have to literally, I had to like really write down in the list, all the things that I'm doing, you know, and, and start kind of crossing off things because it, now it's down to my health, you know, my livelihood and just what is aligned with me. I say that I want to be here for my children. I want to be able to not just home, like cooking dinner for them and checking off their homework, but actually connecting with them, looking them in their eyes, asking them how their day went, paying attention to their development as human beings. And when I'm too spread thin and stressed out, not only am I not being true to what I'm telling others, you know, like how to, how to live life to the fullest, you know, I'm on my own hamster wheel, even though I, it feels like as an entrepreneur and as a driven person, an ambitious person that I'm doing all these things for a reason. But you definitely have to step back from time to time and, and check yourself. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, I hear something that you're saying, which I know I experience as well, that you have a high sense of responsibility to other people and to follow through on your commitments and a really high commitment to making a change. But at some point, it is really important to walk our talk. I agree. Like if we're telling other people to do stuff, but we're not making time to do it, then, you know, either we have to check what we're saying and is it realistic or we have to ask ourselves, well, are we being even fully responsible to our own health? So I'm, yeah, glad, exactly. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad you're, take, you know, stepping back. And I think for a lot of women, I wonder too, you know, do we value our own time or do we sort of judge ourselves for, for needing to take care of ourselves? Because we're so programmed to take care of others and, you know, you're just doing it on a huge scale. Yeah, we, we definitely don't. We don't. I know this is something that's we put everyone before ourselves. 
And, you know, a lot of times we do, we have to step back and look at the reasons behind what we're doing, because I could look at everything I'm doing and justify it and say, no, it's Layla Ali lifestyle brand. And this is what you're going to do. And, and even from a business sense, because we all have to think about even me, you know, money and, and, and what makes the most sense for our time and, and, you know, for, for our income. And for me, you know, I could say, I could justify my podcast and say, well, I'm about to come out with a nutrition line and I can use this to sell the line and advertise a line and no, and I'm giving people great information. And I can also talk about my cookbook and I can do all these things, you know, but at the end of the day, like I said, when you're spread too thin, you know, and it's, it really becomes a situation of quality over quantity. Like, where can I serve best? Yes, I'm still going to, you know, be who I want to be in the world and give back to the world, but I need to do it in the most effective way. And if I'm just like rushing together a podcast where it's like now it's just about having a guest, yeah, they got to fit a certain mold, but I can't really get into it the way that I want to or spend the time necessary to make it the best podcast possible, then what's the point of doing it? Because I'm also a person that wants to do things well. I don't want to just do them. Yeah, you got to go deep, not just wide, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So is there something that when you're in your busy day, and of course now you're like reining it in and giving yourself more self-care time, are there certain practices or a routine or place or ritual that helps you connect back to yourself more than anything else that you can think of? Definitely. I, I, I try to make it a habit of um, meditating every day. You know, there's a couple of days that go by that I don't do it, but really, even if it's just 10 minutes, you know, just really centering myself, getting grounded, you know, simply just going outside and barefoot and putting my feet in, in the sand or in the grass, right? Grounding myself and really taking a look around and seeing, you know, how beautiful the environment is, Right. Um, and just getting myself in the right mind space instead of because I got sometimes you get to the point where I have so much going on where I wake up. First thing I do is grab my phone, look at my schedule, look at texts or emails that come through. And then that that starts that stress in your body, even if I don't realize it is. It's like, huh, 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 what do I have to do? OK, OK. How much time do I have? You know what I mean? So it's like I didn't want to do that. I want to start my day peacefully. Yeah. And that has made a big difference in my life, you know. And then, of course, you know, I, I keep track of my goals, my short term goals, my long term goals, just just for the day, you know, writing things down. Something about taking pen to paper um, really helps, opposed to just always using, you know, the technology that I have, whether it's, you know, putting notes and things on my phones or the apps that I use. So I really like to just pick up a pen and paper. Journaling really helps. And it's just, you know, just keeping myself centered, making sure that I'm on track. Um, you know, because even someone like myself that talks about what you should do all the time and knows what to do. And, you know, sometimes you get off, you know, you get off point. So you have to, you have to, like I said, get yourself back aligned. Thank you for sharing that and being so honest about, you know, falling off track and getting back on track, which is kind of what life is about, except hopefully as we learn, we fall off a little further and get back a little quicker. I think, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things you said earlier about sort of taking stock of what you had on your plate and what you could take off. Um, I just wanted to share with listeners, I have this practice that I call high priority living. And it's simply taking some time periodically. Like I like to do it in September and again at the new year, but even periodically throughout the weeks and months to actually look at well, what have I said yes to? What have I committed to? And what are those things that you know when you feel, for me, it's, it almost feels Layla, like I get an internal sense that a hamster wheel is going on in me, right? Like I've got this hamster wheel, not just that I'm on it, but that it's it's rotating inside me. And that's when I know I'm stretched too thin or overcommitted. And so that 
moment that we can all take, you know, even for those of you who are listening when you're done, get a pen and paper. I actually have a pen in my hand. I'm a pen to paper girl too. Mm -hmm. And sit down and write a list of all the things that you've got that you're obligated to right now and pick the top three that you really have to do or want to do. And then look at what things maybe you can outsource a little bit of, right? Like we all have to pay our taxes, but is there someone who can you know, help you with some of it. We all have to do certain things, but where can you get help? And then are there things that are on your plate right now that you don't actually have to do, or you could do serially, like you can do three things now, and then in a few months do the next few things. Because I think most of us get really overcommitted. I mean, maybe it's just you and me talking that we're the only two, but I don't think so. No, 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 definitely not. I've talked to enough women and know, and, and, and not even, they don't even have to be professional in the sense of, you know, being a doctor or doing what I do as, as a, a public personality. It could just even be a mom at home because a lot of times women tend to lose themselves, right? When you're taking care of the children and taking care of your husband and taking care of the household and then you lose who, you know, who, who you, who that passion inside of you, that drive, who you are as a woman. Yeah. And I will, what I have learned is, you know, cause I'm 40 years old now and you know, life goes by so quickly, right? Especially when you start, the more you have on your plate and you start having children and, you know, you definitely have to have some sort of organization and checks and balance a system because it can't just be, I'm going to wake up and the day is just going to drive me. You have got to be in control of your day. And for me, that's something that I had to learn over the past five years. Cause it was kind of just like, you know, I'll just get up and just stay on, think I'm going to stay on top of things, but no, it's like, you really have to write things down and, and go back and check because I'm telling you things happen that are unexpected in life. And then you think that you're on track and you're actually not. So you gotta, you gotta stay on top of yourself. It's so true. And you know, statistically I was pretty, pretty amazed to read this, but that we actually underestimate by 30% how long it takes mm -hmm. us to do most jobs. So if you say yes to three things and you think they're going to take you, you know, three hours each, you can actually tack on a whole other 30% exactly. to that. So you're, you know, that feeling that you're always behind something is a terrible, stressful, anxiety provoking feeling to constantly right. live with. Yeah. And there's, and, there, and there's a woman that I met that um, recently said something that really um, resonated with me, but she said, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Absolutely. So, so it's like, you know, when you think of it that way, so it's like the, you know, we as women always, a lot of times women, want to help everyone. You don't, you feel guilty saying no. So you say yes, you know, and it's like, Oh, can you, um, can you pick up my kids too? in the, in the carpool, even though that's a nice thing to do, if it's, it might, you know, cause you to have to say no somewhere else or no to something else. So it's like, you really have to have to look at that. And I see myself as someone who's really good at saying no, like, I don't feel bad about it because I, I people ask me so much. I mean, just being a public person, it's like, they want you to come to this event and come accept this award. And, you know, a lot of times the award is just to, so they can, you know, bring exposure to their, their event. Right. So they want to put your name on the flyer and it's like, you feel bad, but it's like, I can't say yes to every event. I can't be at everyone's, um, nonprofit organization. I can't, but a lot of people will feel bad because they think they're saying no to the nonprofit organization. But it's like, I have to be, you know, every time I say yes, I'm saying no. Cause then it's like something might come up for my kids, but I'm already committed. Right. So it's just like, you really have to be careful of that. Yeah, I'm good at saying no too, but it's amazing how things still creep up into still. my schedule. Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I'm. Well, I, you know, that's the part I left out. I meant to say. Thanks yeah, for no. Yeah. The point I was going to make was 
that even though I'm good at saying no, I still need to cut back even further because, you know, there's certain things like, so you you already kind of know in general, okay, I I can't say yes to everything. So I have to pick and choose. But I realized more recently, like I told you, one of the things I had to say no to was my podcast. And that was really hard for me. But um, there's other things as well, because certain events come up that I'm like, okay, this one's good because, you know, strategically and yada, yada, yada. And then I had to even say no even further, I found out, because then I say yes to something that's like could be five months away. And then when the time comes, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I I don't feel good. I don't want to go. But then I already committed. So now I've just been better about saying even no, even more. (laughs) Girl, that has happened to me so many times where I've said yes to something because it's like eight months down the road. And in the moment, you know, I really liked the person. We were at a conference together. And then seven months down the road, I'm like, okay. I said yes to what? I'm traveling across the country for for yes. like free and I have yeah. to spend two days creating a, a keynote. I'm like, mm. but then yes. then once I've said yes, I don't really want to backtrack and say no. So I have gotten better at saying, you know what? Let me get back to you on that or let me check my calendar because that's part of it. It's like if I'm saying yes in the moment because of the inspiration or the emotion or the connection or the want, you know, that desire to serve but I haven't stepped back to look at the whole picture. Sometimes that's where the error happens. Or if I say yes, because again, I'm just feeling really inspired and I feel a little pressure in the moment, maybe it's a face-to-face kind of situation or it is something like a nonprofit and I feel a little guilty. But if I, if I say, you know what, let me get back to you on that. Let me check my calendar and get back to you on that. Almost like It's almost like not impulse buying, right? Like if you go home right. and don't buy the thing, then you're less likely to say yes to buying it when you didn't really need it. It's like impulse yeses. <laughs> and so having that exactly. moment, yeah, I'm like, okay. All right. So one of the things I know brings you pleasure is cooking. Let's talk about your cookbook, Food for Life. Where'd you learn to cook? So I learned to cook. Yeah, I love to cook. So I learned to cook when I was about nine years old and I taught myself. My mother... I didn't really cook a lot. And um, before her and my father divorced, we had a cook. We had an amazing cook named Edith. And she used to just cook home cooked, like soul food type Mm. meals. Um, Probably weren't always the healthiest um, because that just wasn't a concern, especially back then. But I started calling my grandma on the phone, who's from, got her, you know, she's from Louisiana. So she, she really could throw down. And I said, grandma, (laughs) you know, how do you make this? Or how do you make that? You know, she would tell me on the phone. It was a lot of trial and error, but that's where my passion, I love to eat for one. I mean, like I really love to eat. My husband always tells me how greedy I am. Cause like we'll, we'll be at a restaurant, our food will come out and I'll taste his food before I even put my fork in mine. He's like, golly, he's just so used to it now. But, um, I want to taste everything, but I started cooking and as an athlete, I learned the importance of nutrition and how it affected my performance. So what I did is I just pretty much married over the years, just, you know, comfort foods with nutrition. So I always say that nutrition is king, but flavor is queen in my kitchen. Like the food has got to taste good, like nutrition first, but it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be flavorless because, you know, if you learn how to season food with spices and herbs and things like that then the food actually tastes good. You don't feel like you're eating healthy and it's just the cooking method. So food for life is a lot of, you know, some of the comfort food recipes that I've prepared over years, like your gumbo. And I have this oven fried chicken recipe that's amazing. You actually would think it was fried chicken. 
you know, foods like that, but also, you know, foods that are obviously more healthy, like salads. And I love my kids chapter because I have, you know, a lot of ways to sneak veggies into the meals that our kids love because, you know, we all face that, that issue with kids. And if they do eat vegetables, they're, they're still not necessarily eating enough. So what, what's great about food for life is that, you know, even if you have your own recipes, if you just learn some of the cooking methods and the tips that I give, um, you can apply them to the recipes that you're already preparing on top of the ones that I'm actually giving you in the book as well. So yeah, it's available now. It's, uh, I, I published it in January and it's available anywhere books are sold. And, you know, I just ask that if anyone buys it, please go online, you know, and, and rate the book as well. Let me know what you think. Cause I really care about it. You know what? I grew up in New York City and uh, food was a huge thing in our family. And uh, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. My husband's a Southern boy. And uh, that was the first time I ever got exposed to things like gumbo, jambalaya, cornbread. There was a a group called the Hebrew Israelites that had a restaurant in Atlanta that was soul food, but it was vegan soul food. And so, um, yeah, exactly. It was so good. So I, um, I really appreciated, learned to appreciate the food. And there's also just a lot of rich Southern culture tied up in that, in that food. Tell me about, tell me about like your grandma's gumbo. How did, what, what are some of the, you know, does she use things like sassafras leaves? Is it okra? Like, what are some of the secrets that yeah. we get your grandma's? Well, my grandma's gumbo was very different than mine. So she her she makes a really dark roux, and she uses vegetable oil, which I don't use, and white flour, right? And then, of course, you just put that in the pan, you cook it down, and that's the part of which makes gumbo gumbo. And it's really simple. It's just a lot of preparation. But yeah, she's used the sassafras before, and she, she uses... um. Uh, okra in her gumbo sometimes, but a lot of people don't like okra. So it depends on who she's making it for. She wouldn't make it, but she, it was really simple. She'd use whole pieces of chicken, like a whole chicken leg and all that. Whereas I like to use, I started for many years, um, using wheat flour and, you know, I, I, I've changed the oils over time. So I've done it before with coconut oil. I've done it with avocado oil or grapeseed oil. And but there's so many, there's so many different spices in the gumbo that you don't taste, like you wouldn't even taste the coconut oil. Yeah. But I've even started making my gumbo with um, quinoa flour. So it's a different flavor. I've been, I, I try with different, different things, but I actually chop up my chicken, you know, and use like chicken breast and, you know, different types of sausage and things that are healthier. Um, lots of seafood in the gumbo. I don't put okra in my gumbo. But, um, you know, I have a couple secrets to really what flavors my gumbo um, really well that I learned through my grandma. So, yeah, but but, you know, everyone's gumbo is different. You know, that's the thing about gumbo. It's really hard. It's hard to mess it up. I mean, I haven't had a gumbo in a long time that I didn't like. <laughs> okra is definitely an acquired texture. Though. Yes, for it's, sure. It's, yeah, it's its own thing. I use I knew this man from Jamaica, and uh, when I was pregnant with my first baby, he uh, this was before I lived in Atlanta. He said, uh, "Hey, sister, you need to eat the okra every day. It make your baby slide right out." No, I'm not doing justice no. to his accent, <laughs> but that is about uh, that is about okra. It's pretty slimy stuff. So, so one of the things I love about your book and your philosophy, and I think one of the things people get so afraid of is that they have to give up the foods they love when they go healthy. 
And you have created a way for people to continue to get, and I do believe food should be pleasure and it should be comfort. And it's something of our childhoods. It's like to, the idea that you have to give up your grandmother's cooking is scary for people. So you have created this beautiful way of marrying healthy, which not all of our grandmas were doing because that was the time of Wesson oil and mm-hmm. you know processed foods coming in with this new way of eating. And so- one of the things though, is that sometimes our taste buds have gotten accustomed to the old way of eating. And so you mentioned, right? Like quinoa flour does taste a little different than wheat flour. How do you help people to bridge that gap between what they're used to tasting and the new taste without them feeling like they're giving something up? I think that, you know, for me, uh, I always say I was healthy 10, 10, 15 years ago, but I'm healthier now. So one thing you have to do is you don't want to have this all in all or nothing attitude. You know, I'm giving you information that's taken me years to learn. It's been a process to get where I am. So I like to give options. You know, you don't want to just try to change overnight. Right. So I, I, I like the idea of thinking about what can you add now to what you're already doing opposed to what you have to take away. So if I have someone, for example, I met a man on a plane and he was about 500 pounds, he was overweight, you know, and we started talking about his health and his wellness and his struggle. And I said, you know, he eats really bad eats. He's like, I'm going to go to, you know, McDonald's. I said, so what are you going to get when you get off this plane? This is after we had the whole plane ride and I talked to him and he said, you know, I was talking about making small changes. I said, so what were you going to go eat when you get off this plane? He's like, well, I'm going to go get two quarter pounders and extra large, you know, soda and a, a large, you know, supersized fry. I said, okay, well, why don't you go to McDonald's and get a small fry and a medium soda, right? So you're still going to have your quarter pounders, you know, because for him, that's what he's been doing all his life. But even that small change and then wean yourself off of it. So that was a very extreme, you know, idea. But I like to try to meet people where they're at. So if you're not eating anything, if you're eating all processed food right now, okay, well, maybe can you eat a salad before you eat your meal? And when you start giving yourself more nutrition, you're going to crowd out some of the other things. Because number one, you're going to learn that there's actually real nutrition in those foods, right, that are going to fill you up and make you feel more satisfied. And, you know, it'll inspire you to start adding more in. So and then some people be ready to make bigger steps than that. So I say start by cleaning out your pantry, right, and having certain items in there. So it's not so overwhelming every time you have to make choices because you're going to use what you have on hand. You're going to try to, you know, replace some of the products that you're using now with better products. And that is going to take a little work because you got to learn what to look for and how to read labels and all those things. But just cooking at home makes a difference. because That's really the only way that you know what's in the foods that you eat. And when you do eat out, how to make smarter, healthier choices when you're reading menus for yourself. So, you know, but like I said, it is it's overwhelming. And this is not something that I just started doing overnight. And I don't expect anyone else to either. You know, I wanted to ask you, you travel a lot. Plus, even when you're home, you have a lot of social events to go to. I noticed for me, That when I'm on the road a lot, even though I've been eating healthy for, you know, three decades now, it is a lot harder to eat healthy when I eat out. And I notice even doing my best, a few pounds creep on, I feel a little puffier, Mm -hmm. even making good Mm -hmm. organic choices. You have to travel and eat out a lot too. Do you notice a difference in how you feel even when you're trying to make the best choices? Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's, it, I, for one, I notice I always get stopped up. Like I'm not mm-hmm. using the bathroom as well. So I already know that, you know, I'm going to have some issues 
you know, when I'm on the road. But what I do is I found snacks that I can carry with me, for example, on the plane, like I'll carry some nut butter, you know, the Justin's nut butter packs and an apple, or I'll get some, I'm paleo right now because I had to change to a paleo diet because I learned through, you know, my, my, the, the health issues that I'm dealing with that I'm actually sensitive to grains and, um, allergic to wheat. So that was like a big eye opener for me. So I've had to change the way that I eat. And it is now it's not just about not gaining weight or just not, you know, eating organic. I cannot eat certain foods. So I know exactly what people are dealing with. But yeah, when I eat out, I'm like, okay, um, get, send me some, um, you know, baked fish or keep the sauce on the side and get some veg. You can always usually get some protein and some veggies. And then of course you got to turn away the bread, but I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I'll, I'll cheat. I mean, I'll have bread sometimes, even before I, I got, um, you know, I learned that I had to be grain free. And even now there's times when I'm like, I'll be upset afterwards, but at the same time, I'm not hard on myself. I'm just like, you know, what you do 80, 90% of the time for me, 90 now that I know I'm, you know, sensitive to food, but I used to say 80% of the time, um, is what really matters because I don't want to ever be to the point where I'm like, you know, the more you tell yourself you can't have something, the more you want it. Right. And you feel animosity like, God, it's just, why does it have to be this way? You know, but I definitely, but I'm definitely, um, now, you know, because it's all about my health and I know that the choices that I make every time I decide to put food in my mouth are going to affect my health. That's a very big driving factor for, for my priorities right now. Yeah. I call it the 95, five rule. And I I find that for me, I like feeling good. I don't like feeling Mm -hmm. tired or irritable or my joints aching or foggy. And I think a lot of people, you know, just don't stop long enough to pay attention to how they're feeling when they eat or don't connect the dots between how food makes them feel and how they feel when they feel well or how they feel when they don't feel well. So a lot of people don't even know what it's like to feel great. So I think when you, you start to make the changes, you're like, oh, I actually feel really good. And then you eat that thing and you're like, you know, my joints haven't hurt me in three weeks and now they're hurting. I think like when you start to notice those things, it makes it a little easier to make the choices. Definitely. That's why I said, I, you know, I used to say 80% of the time and now I changed to 90% of the time. I said, because, you know, you you say 95 and, and I might end up changing to that because now, you know, I, my stomach does hurt. Like it didn't used to bother me. Like I could eat bad and get away with it. But now because I'm so sensitive because of the inflammation that's already going on, you know, it's just like, if I eat bad, I'm going to feel it most of the time. So it makes me like, eh, I'm good, you know? All right. So you're a busy mom, <laughs> entrepreneur, athlete, television host, da 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 And mm-hmm. I work with a lot of women. I know that I cook most of my meals at home. I know that you're big on cooking. But I have so many patients who say, you know what? I just don't have time to cook. And they eat out three, especially the New Yorkers, but also the Mm -hmm. LA people. You know, they eat out three, five, seven times a week, catching a lunch here, a breakfast there, a dinner here. And I really have to emphasize to them, it's really hard to fully heal when you're you're doing that. So what do you say to women or people, it could be men too, who argue that they just don't have the time or the means to cook at home? Yeah, I just didn't have the time to rest. I really didn't, you know, because I didn't make time for myself. And I realized that I had to make it a priority. And that's how when we talked about me even just getting letting go of my podcast, something I decided I had to do, I didn't want to do. So at the end of the day, we have time for what we make time for. I don't care what anybody says. Okay, we have time for what we make time for. So you have to get to the point where 
you know, if someone was to say, this is going to be very extreme, but if someone was to say to you, if you don't start cooking for yourself, you're going to get cancer. I bet you would find, you would find a way to cook for yourself, wouldn't you? You know, if you would, you would make it happen because you're like, you know, for sure something bad is going to happen if you don't. So unfortunately, you know, we don't do things until we absolutely have to. And I'm not saying that would happen. That was just a very extreme example of what I mean, how we can make time when it becomes a priority. So I say that, you know, you would definitely have to, because there, because it is, it's a real thing being really busy, having a lot on your plate. I know for a fact myself, but I'm as busy as they come. And if I can make time to cook, then anyone else can. But for someone who just can't see how they can do it on a regular basis, guess what? That's when you batch cook. You know, that's, that's what I was going to okay. ask you. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, that's when you say, okay, fine, on, on Saturday or Sunday or whatever day works for you, you're going to set some time aside and you're going you're gonna to come up with a meal plan that works. And there's all kinds of you know, resources you can use for to tell you exactly what to do, how to do this, meal plans, everything. I love cooking in the oven. Like you take a bunch of chicken breasts and you put it on a pan and a little bit of olive oil and seasoning and you bake them. You take some sweet potatoes, you bake them. You take some vegetables, you roast them. You know, you can do it all at one time and then you have your glass containers and you put them in the fridge and you can even break them down into, you know, lunch boxes, lunch, you know, portions for yourself and you make it really easy. Then you can have different condiments and sauces. You can even make those fresh to change up the flavors, you know, and then you, it's really fun. I mean, there's a book out there called the stash plan. I was going to interview a woman on my podcast that she did. I mean, it's all about that. So I'm saying there's so many resources out there. So no one is expecting you to every day break out the pots and pans and go to the grocery store, cook and clean up every single day. Um, I did this. I did it when I was pregnant with my first um, child and when I had my, my, my son. And then, you know, I got a little bored with it for a while. So I started cooking, um, you know, on a more regular basis. And you don't have to make everything in advance. You can make some things and then make fresh salads and things like that. So, but that's the way to do it. But, it, but the first thing you have to do is make it a priority and see the need to do it in the first place. One of the things that I found really helpful with my kids, because I have four and we homeschooled and I was working. So when they were little, I would just have one like couple of hours a week where I would get out my cookbooks. This was before the world of online cooking and, you know, recipes and before apps existed. So I would get on my cookbooks and I had like a little printed out you know, seven day calendar. And I would, and, and I also batched it out like, okay, Monday night, we're going to do soups and salads. Tuesday night, we're going to do like a Mexican, you know, I really broke it out. So it became pretty easy. And then I would just find recipes. And then after like, even like two, three months of doing that, then you don't even have to get out the cookbooks anymore. You can just keep rotating things around, but knowing what I was going to cook. Cause you know, I, I remember my kids being little and my husband would say, I'll cook dinner tonight, babe. What should I make? And I'm like, dude, that's like 90% of the work is figuring out what to make. Right. So knowing what I was going to make ahead of time. And then that also created my shopping list. So I would just go get what I needed. And then shopping could be once a week and maybe, you know, a little bit of produce or something later in the week it made such a difference for me. Yeah, it does. And, yeah. and, and keeping it, keeping it simple, you know, it's like, we're living in a world of, you know, all these different fancy recipes on Instagram and things like that that have all these ingredients. And it really doesn't have to always be that tough. You know, we'll be overwhelming if you're trying to keep up with something fancy all the time, but just figuring out what it is that you and your family likes and rotating recipes makes it, makes it really much simpler. Yeah. I think the more we cook at home, the more we get 
pleasure out of simpler tastes. If you're always going out to eat, then home cooking can feel boring because it's not filled with sugar and salt and all these different exactly. oils. And, 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 yeah, I mean, a healthy dinner at my house, that's one of my favorites, is a piece of baked salmon, a sweet potato popped in the oven, and then some, you can even just roast some Brussels sprouts all in the oven, like you say, at one time. Yep. Pop it out, put a little butter or ghee or coconut oil and a little paprika or salt. If you don't you know, use paprika because of nightshades, you can use a little cinnamon. And it tastes every bit as good as anything you eat. And you feel good after. Exactly. Is your family on board with this kind of cooking? I mean, you've got like a, a super athlete, former athlete husband. You've got two kids who are fairly young still. Are they all on board with what you do well, and how to eat? Well, yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't just overwhelm them with it. They, I pretty much do all the work and then I put the food on the table. So my kids are very particular, very picky. And instead of, you know, I, I'd make all these meals and my daughter would straight up be like, I don't like anything you made today and I don't want to eat. And I'm like, Oh God. So now I'm like, okay, but she likes tacos. She likes pasta. So what do I do? I go find a different, you know, I'm not going to use white pasta. I'm going to use quinoa pasta or sometimes brown rice pasta. And you know, I'm paleo right now, but I, I haven't made my family paleo, right? Because mm -hmm. that would just be too overwhelming for them. But when I make my pasta sauce, I'll roast down lots of vegetables, put them in the blender, put them in the sauce. They're getting all this, all these, you know, ingredients, I mean, nutrients. Then when I make tacos, I'll take zucchini, peel, I'll take like three or four large zucchini to, um, for like a pound and a half of, of ground turkey. And I'll um, peel off the skin and then put the zucchini in the food processor so it's kind of riced. And then I'll saute it into the meat. So they don't even realize that they're getting all of this, you know, all of this um, extra nutrition. And then one thing I do require is they're still going to get their a fresh. I'd like to eat something raw just for the enzymes to help break down the food they're eating. And so I'll, I'll make a fresh green salad. And it's simply just, you know, romaine and cucumbers. Right. And then I make sure I get a make a salad dressing or have a salad dressing on hand that they like. And then I've started recently, we do like a green juice challenge where I'll be in the morning, I'll give them a shot of, of juice and I might put a little apple juice in it. So it's not just, uh, you know, disgusting to them, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'll be like, let's get our green juice, you know? And then it's like, we, we kind of get a treat like at the end of a week, if you drink your green juice from morning and night so that they're actually getting more. So there's just different ways of getting my kids to do certain things, but it's definitely not easy. <laughs> I love it. I love I love the green juice challenge at home. Mm -hmm. Layla, if you had one quote, if you can think of one quote that sort of guides your life, and maybe it's when you say yes to everything, you're saying no to something else. But do you have one quote that you think of that inspires you or pulls you back to your center? I don't have a whole lot of quotes, but one, it doesn't necessarily apply to any one thing, but it's just life overall. And it's uh, don't get bitter, get better. Oh, that's beautiful. So for me, like, you know, I, I what I notice is a lot of people um, pointing the finger at other things or upset at what happened to them. This happened, that happened. You know, you can't control what goes on around you. All you can control is yourself. And don't let the experiences that you go through change you and your heart, you know, just because other people are a certain way. Continue be yourself when you know you're doing the right thing. You have to have faith in knowing that and keep going in the right direction and, and don't get bitter along the way. So that, cause life can make you bitter. So don't do that. Just get better, baby. Keep getting better. Layla, <laughs> you are incredible. I honor you for hitting the pause button on the things that you need to hit pause on. And thank you for all the things that you have done to make a contribution to women's health, to making the world better, and not just to health, but to really helping women elevate in the world. Thank you so much for taking time to join me today as well. And I just wish you all good health and the best. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on and uh, thanks for all that you do as well. Oh, it's, it's wonderful to be in the company of great women. Everyone, I know that you've loved this episode with Layla and please show your love. Head on over to Amazon, get a copy of her book, make sure to leave a, a positive review. I think you're going to find it really fun and a new way to add some health and vibrancy and great comfort foods to your, your daily plan. And if you have got kids, I know you're going to love it too. Thank you everyone for joining me and I will see you next week on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.